So we're going to continue with our series, This is Jesus. We're picking up uh, all sorts of uh, things about Jesus in all sorts of ways over these next weeks. And uh, I, I want to confess to you, I've, I've had a battle and a struggle this week. And I, I haven't really been able to figure out exactly why. Um, but I've really had to get before the Lord and continue. And even this morning in the prayer meeting, I said to the guys, just would you pray that really just share what uh, God wants me to share. Um, Because on the face of it, I've picked what seems quite a simple subject. Jesus is king. Okay? And you think, well, come on, Mark. That's an easy one, isn't it? Um, I think one of the reasons I've had a battle and struggle is it's a vast subject. The kingship of Jesus, the kingdom of God, uh, is a massive subject. And uh, I found myself saying... Shall I go down this road? Shall I go down that road? Which road shall I go down? Anyway, we'll, we'll see, see where the Lord leads us. I have some notes, and, uh, and we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we're going to pray. Let's start um, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Um, and verse 12. The next day... The great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. And then over into Colossians, one of the number of letters that were written to the early church. Um, Where am I going? Here we are. (laughs) Colossians chapter 1 and uh, from verse 9. This is a great prayer of thanksgiving and prayer that Paul is praying for them. Just going to break into that at verse 9. For this reason, Colossians 1 verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit. There's that phrase again. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness And has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then, just finally, Revelation chapter 19. Very well-known verses. Paul's, uh, John's great revelation, chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. 
He's dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the spirit of revelation and truth. That you reveal Jesus, you reveal the heart of the Father. Just pray today as we pick up, just look at just one or two aspects of this great subject, the kingship of Jesus. Again, as we've already prayed, just open our hearts, help us open our minds that we might see Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen. This is Jesus, King Jesus. You find the the title, the imagery of kingship and kingdoms, majesty, thrones, crowns, scepters, diadems. You find them throughout the whole of the Bible, right through uh, Scripture. And as with so many of the great themes of the Bible, all these phrases, all these titles, they're like a, a great big finger, if you like, like a great big arrow pointing forward. They're pointing forward, story after story, declaration after declaration. They're pointing forward. What are they pointing? Who are they pointing forward to? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is King. Why is that so important? Why, why do we love to, to sing this. I was uh, out um, as we were praying this week and I went out on uh, Wednesday lunchtime. I got halfway round and it poured with rain, but uh, I, I kept going. But I was just thinking about this phrase, King Jesus. And, and I, I love to use the word King. I always have done. And I was thinking about why, why do I love that phrase? Why do we, I love to sing about the kingship of Jesus. Now we talked a bit last week, didn't we, about the language we use. We talked about that general phrase, God. Now, don't get me wrong, we believe in God, the nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we said, didn't we, that God can just be thrown out in all sorts of ways, not least with OMG and, uh, and all the rest of it. But God is used quite a lot, and people don't really mind God. But when you begin to talk about Jesus, there's something more distinct and specific I believe in God. Well, that's good. Yeah. I believe in Jesus. That's quite particular. I love God, you might say. I follow Jesus. Etc. God is fine, but we said there's something a lot more distinct and specific when we begin to use the name of Jesus. And, and uh, I don't know if any of you have found yourself being able to do that. We talked about the challenge of actually saying... You know, generally, well, I'll pray for you. Or to say to someone, I'll ask Jesus to help you in that. It's it's, it's a challenging, but it it shifts things. It's very specific. It's quite a detail. It has 
implications. And just with the title Lord that we were looking at last week, Jesus is King has implications. See, when we, we start to talk about Jesus, rather than that just general God, we talk about Jesus Oh, hang on, this is someone more real, this is someone more specific. And similarly, when we're talking about kingship, it's quite specific. What does it mean? He's sovereign. He's reigning. He's ruling. It's not just general, it's specific, and it is personal. Um, That great uh, little clip that we showed from YouTube last week, he's my king. He's my king. I'm under his reign and his rule. So when we talk about the kingship of Jesus, similarly with lordship, I think there are some subtle differences, but I'm, I'm a subject, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm under, I'm under a reign, I'm under a rule. And that, that's quite challenging in today's society, in today's culture. Uh, my, my knee is bowed before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm, I'm not in charge, I'm not the God. He is God, He is my King. He's sovereign. I'm subject of the kingdom, His kingdom. You see, however we might respect and regard our current queen, and it seems to me she might need our prayers as she's having personal conversations uh, currently with her um, chauffeur. Uh, Anyway, um, however we might respect and regard her, it's not the same relationship. It's not similar. Yes, she may have some power of influence at times. Some say maybe quite significant at times over the past 60, 70 years. But she has no real ultimate power or authority. As as we know, it sits in the hands of our government. The authority, the power to make laws, the power to to govern is with the government. But in the words of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. It's about the Son, he says, your throne. His throne, his title, his authority will never be removed. And I'm under the rule, I'm under the reign of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm under his authority. See, he's not just a nice symbol. He's not even just a figurehead on my coinage, as it were, or someone to be regarded and respected. He is my head. He is my king. He is my Lord. But what is so glorious about our king, and there's so much that we could speak about him, this is not one that comes with oppression. This is not one who comes to crush and control and contain. And that's, that's the, the situation in Zimbabwe. It's the, it's the situation so much across the world, whether that be nationally or even locally in relationships. No, I come to one who is my protector. As I was walking along and praying, I was thinking, what is wonderful? What's so good about knowing Jesus as king? What, it, what is different about how people might think in society? What do I believe? And actually, I felt, you know what, it's, it's so wonderful to know he's my king. He's my protector. 
He's, he, there's an authority that is over me. I'm under his sovereign reign and rule. And that reign and rule brings me security. Thinking about my life, I was thinking about things I've walked through, we've walked through as a family, uh, things that happen in day-to-day life. And I was thinking, what is it about Jesus' kingship that Jesus' kingship brings me a security? I have a king. I have one who reigns and rules, one who I, I trust, I lean upon, I have an assurance, I have a peace because he's my king. Uh, Hebrews says, the scepter, the symbol, the sign of authority is his righteousness. I want us to hear that. This, this sign of his authority is not, at this moment, uh, and, and in this scripture, is not one of uh, condemnation, it's not one of destruction, it's a sign of his righteousness. He always has and always will act Righteously. Whenever you get these big words in Scripture, sometimes you think, what does that mean? I always try and break them down. And rightness is what you might do when you come to righteousness. Now, there's a huge subject in righteousness, but he always acts rightly. He always acts justly. Psalm 119, verse 142. Your righteousness is everlasting and your law is true. And then Paul read this scripture uh, in the prayer meeting this morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. I I wrote the first half, but I loved, uh, as Paul read it uh, to us, Revelation 15, 3 and 4. They sang a a song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvellous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. He does what is right. That's why we can trust him. He will never fail us. He will never let us down. Amen? I can't tell what's going on here this morning. There's a lot of very quiet listening, but uh, which is good. He's righteous in all that he does. What he does is right. He's trustworthy, dependable, reliable. He's the king of kings. He's our king. And this great king has a kingdom, which we have the privilege and the joy of being part of. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, It's not without this great rescue mission taking place. There's a great rescue mission that's been taking place. And I think this is partly why also I felt something of a a battle and a struggle in my preparation this week. Because what we're declaring today is at the very heart of the gospel. It's the very heart of the truth. And I, I recognize that even as I'm standing here now, I'm declaring to something You see, the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. And I'm about to declare something, and I'm already declaring something, that is at the heart of of what has gone on. See, there's a great transaction. There's a great battle. There's a great rescue mission that's gone on. Uh, Ashley was alluding to it again a bit earlier. 
Colossians 1.13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. I just want to stop there a moment. That word dominion, the power of, the authority of. See, one of the things that scripture, forgive me for not quoting chapter and verse, but it says, the enemy of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So many of people say, my life is fine, it's okay. Not realizing that we're under the dominion, under the rule of darkness. But he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom, the reign and the rule of the son he loves. We were under the rule, the dominion of a very different kingdom. We need to recognize that those who are not yet following Jesus Christ, those who are not followers of Jesus, those who would not profess faith in him, whether they know it or not, they're in a different kingdom. That's why they might react in the way that they do. That's why that things happen in their lives because the Bible says they're under the reign and the rule of one whose sole aim is to bring about death and destruction, oppression, to crush, to cripple by fear and doubt and hopelessness. It's a dominion. It's a reign outside of Christ. That, and he loves to keep us in that. He loves to keep us in that kingdom, in that dominion. And he will tease us and, and invite us and, 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 and draw us in by things that seem to satisfy, but they don't. What they do is they rob us of life. It's a dominion of darkness. It's one of darkness. It, it leads to darkness. It professes to have light. It manifests as light, but you find actually the light rapidly goes out and you finish up in darkness. Empty, broken, Crushed, oppressed, crippled by fear and doubt and hopelessness. But the Apostle Paul says, that has changed. And he says, I'm praying for you in Colossians, the Colossians, because now you have something really wonderful, something really significant to live up to, to press into, to lay hold of, to joyfully give thanks to the Father for. What is that? Well, it's the verse before, actually. 1 verse 12, he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, in whom we have redemption. Redemption, the price has been paid. We've been redeemed. The price has been paid to rescue, to bring us back. We've been brought back. The forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you, qualifications is a great word. It's something I didn't do so well at school. I always said that my education began when I left school. I did lots of things and, and went to other, you know, college and other things after school. But so for me, qualifications have always been, some of you may have lots of qualifications, others of you might not have very many. But I can remember when I passed my driving test. How many of you can remember passing your driving test? Can you still remember that? I failed it the first time, um, but passed it the second time. But I just remember being so excited that I was now qualified to do that. 
I remember, uh, some of you have heard the story before, when I, I qualified to be a scuba diver and then discovered it only lasted for a year and I'd have to do it all again. But, but um, I remember going through Bible college and other things and, and, and being, there's a sense of having some qualifications that you've, you've been through something. But it, it's, it's a new position. It's a new, it's a new standing and this is what we just want to dig into and get to the heart of today is to remind ourselves again and again, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for myself, and this is, this is so important for us. We're under new government. We're in a, we're, we're in a different country. We're not citizens any longer of this country. We, we're citizens of heaven. We've been brought from darkness to light, from death to life. And so literally there is a new throne that is set up in my life. There's a throne in my life. I'm under new authority. Jesus is king. Now we recognize that there are things that want to try and put themselves back on the throne. There are strongholds that we need to to come against. That's another whole subject. But there, I have invited, when I came to Christ, and if you haven't done this, this is what I want to invite you to consider, is that I come to Christ and my allegiance changes. My allegiance. I'm no longer submitting and surrendering myself to the dominion of darkness, to the reign and the rule of one who wants to contain and control my life and bring me to death. No, my allegiance has now changed. I'm under the kingship of Jesus. There is a new throne. Jesus is on the throne. It's a different, a totally new authority, a totally new power structure in my life. And so the choices that I make about how I'm living, how I'm speaking, what I'm doing with my money, how my relationships, my marriage, my family, my workplace... They're changed because they're under new authority. They're under the kingship of Christ. Jesus comes in. I welcome him as my king. I bow the knee. I bow the knee to the king of kings and lords of lords. And he sets up his throne. He reigns in my heart and in my life. Not to dominate, not to dictate, not to spoil my fun, but to bring joy. To bring freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the dominion of darkness. Freedom from fear. Fear of death. Actually, no, I'm under a new rule. I've been transferred. I'm now in a new kingdom. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of light. I have the promise, the assurance of eternal life. Because Jesus is king. Now, Jesus declares himself to be this king by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. What on earth is that all about? Just want to touch on that. In Matthew's version of the same story, 21, Matthew 21, we're told Jesus specifically sends two of his disciples to go and get a donkey. Why? What, what is he doing? Why does he want to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? He's never done anything like that before. Well, both Matthew and John tell us it was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Zechariah. 
shouts, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, that's Israel. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. It's a direct quote from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Jesus chooses to, to act out the fulfillment of this prophecy and to declare his kingship by riding on a donkey. He's saying very clearly, yes, I am king. Because that's what Zechariah means. It's very clear Zechariah says that, behold your king. But he's saying, I am gentle and lowly. I'm not in my first coming on a white war horse with a sword and a rod of iron. See, for many, many of the Jews, even at the time, there was an expectation of a military leader, of a leader who would come and lead them against the oppression of, uh, of the Romans and so on. And so there was this expectation that, a, as it were, a great warrior would come uh, on a great horse in that picture. And yet Jesus is coming with a very different picture. He's coming lowly, humble, riding on a donkey. He's, I'm not coming to slay, I'm coming to save. Today is the day of salvation. But is he only coming for the daughter of Zion? Because this is talking about Israel. Well, we need to always pick the context, pull out the context. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus, of course, knew the context. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule, his dominion, his kingship will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus is very intentionally acting out Zechariah chapter 9, declaring his humble, Gentile-saving, Jewish and global kingship. And he invites each one of us to receive that. Jesus is declaring, I am your king. Important that we just understand the difference between the nature of his kingship now and the nature of his kingship when he comes the second time. Why is it important? Because I want to say that now, the nature of Jesus' kingship is he has created, there is a season, there is a time of salvation which is now. It's a time of salvation in world history, during which all those who will bow the knee can switch sides, can come over, change allegiance from that dominion of darkness. Now it's a work of his spirit as he draws us and as we respond to him. But we are living in a time of his kingship of salvation, where we can be saved from his wrath and his judgment. And that time is still even today, even right now, this morning. Jesus, King Jesus, holds out, as it were, an amnesty to each one of us. There is a season, there is a time, there is a moment when we can freely come. We can come without fear of punishment or condemnation. Whatever our background, whatever our experience, 
However we've lived, whatever we've done, Jesus says, I come to you as my king. I offer you a kingdom of light. I offer you forgiveness of sins and assurance of eternity with me. We can freely come. We step out of that dominion of darkness where we've been held in bondage to the rule and the power of self, self self-success, of Money, physical pleasure, security, whatever it might be, whatever else rules over your life other than Jesus. And you can bow. You can receive the Lord Jesus as your king and swear allegiance to him, to be on his side. And it's a side, the Bible says, is with everlasting joy. So that's the offer for you today can do that today in a moment we'll take communion together maybe you've never taken communion but as you surrender your life to Christ and say I recognize I've lived under a different rule under a, a dominion a, a rule of darkness but I surrender myself you're my king you're my savior and I come to you come to the communion table today come and take communion recognizing his kingship and his lordship It's important to understand that Jesus has come and that Jesus is coming again. I'd like to look at the second coming of Jesus another week. But we must understand that Jesus came that first time as he came on that donkey declaring his kingship, but he is coming again as king over all kings. King of Israel, king of all the nations, king of nature, king of the universe. Till he comes again, there's a day of amnesty, of forgiveness and love, of patience, of grace and of mercy. He's still, as it were, riding on the donkey. Not yet a white war horse with a rod of iron. He's ready today to save all who will receive him as saviour and king. But the day is coming and it's sooner than it was. No one knows the day or the hour, but the day is coming and it's sooner than it was when the kingship of Jesus will be displayed very differently. Just look again at Revelation chapter 19 that we read. When the kingship of Jesus appears in the skies like that, it will be too late to switch sides. It's why the Apostle Paul so urgently writes to the early believers. He urges them. He urges them. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 is really what we've just been talking about. It's one example. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. He quotes Isaiah 49. In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, says Paul, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. We have one, a humble one, welcoming, seeking, forgiving, patient, loving king. One who shed his own blood to save all who will accept his free gift of forgiveness. Grace and mercy to overcome the dominion of darkness and to be brought into the kingdom of light. There's an invitation to come to him today. That, but that invitation will not last forever. There is a day when he comes in all authority and all power to judge the living and the dead. I want to encourage you, receive him today. 
Come to him today, again. Surrender your life again today. Think of that throne that's in your life. What's on that throne? Are there things that need to be actively removed? You might live in surrender to him as your saviour and king. Now, I was going to just speak on something else, but I'm just looking at the time and just feel prompted. I'll just say the phrase, uh, and I think we will come back to it another day. But we can also expect to see the signs of the kingdom breaking in. Signs of his reign and his rule. Amen? Signs of it. And uh, I wanted to just go into a little bit into the subject of healing because I feel that's something God, I'm really living with. Um, but I think probably I need to do more, more work on it. But um, I just, um, I'm just going to, from that verse in Matthew 21, where in Matthew 21 he comes in on the donkey, one of the things he does immediately after that, of course you remember, he goes into the temple and he turns over the tables of all the uh, of those who are buying and selling, they're in the court of the Gentiles. They're, they're blocking up access for people to be ca- able to come into the temple, particularly the Gentiles, those on the outside, on the edges. But then it also says, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. It's a declaration of his kingship. And uh, one of the declarations of his kingship is that we will see signs of his reign and his rule. And that's over everything, including our bodies. And I'm just so conscious that there are many of us who are looking to God in these days for healing in all sorts of ways. Whether it be healing in our body, healing in our emotions, healing in our, our minds. But uh, I think I'm going to leave it there. I feel like I've just deposited what I, I was supposed to today. But what I'd like to do as we come uh, to communion... I would like specifically to pray for anyone who is sick who would like uh, prayer for healing. Um, as you come and take communion, I'd like just to stand here. Maybe one or two others can, if you've got faith for that today, believing for God today. I felt God said to me, bring oil. So I brought some oil. I haven't told Ashley or Paul this, but I've, I've got oil. So if you want to particularly, uh, I'm very happy to anoint you with oil as one of the elders of the church. Other elders can do that. But... I just feel, I don't know, uh, I, I hope I've served you well this morning. I feel like a bit all over the place. But let's, uh, let's just pray. I recognize there is, a, there is a battle going on. There's a battle in our, in our own hearts. There's a battle in this nation. There's a battle in the nations for, for the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls. There's one, but we... We come, as we come to the communion, we come as one who died on that cross and declared, it is finished. And we thank, thank you today, Lord God, that that battle is won. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that uh, heaven is being populated. People are being saved. They are being added, being rescued and restored, healed and delivered because Jesus is king. Jesus is on the throne. I just want to pray for us today, Lord, where there are areas of our lives where you are not king. I pray that as we come, take communion today. I pray, would you speak to us, help us to put those things right, to commit ourselves before you, to surrender again our lives to you, 
to say, Jesus, come and be throned, enthroned in my life. I pray for anyone here who who for the first time would say that. Jesus, come and be king. Come and be enthroned in my life. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful, wonderful joy and knowledge of knowing we've crossed over from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. Pray we would know. I pray for those across this room today would know the light of God in their lives, that light shining that cannot be put out. Just the words of that great old chorus we used to sing years and years ago has been going around in my head all week this week. All hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. King of kings and Lord of lords. Bright morning star. And out throughout eternity, I'll sing your praises. And throughout eternity, I will reign with you. I will reign with you throughout eternity. All hail King Jesus. Worship you, our King and our Saviour today. Thank you for your body that was given for us. Thank you for the access and the way that was made. Thank you that you died we might have life. As we share communion together right now, Lord, just let these great truths sit deeply in our lives. Help us to give thanks. And may there be increasing signs of your kingdom, your reign, breaking into our lives in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.